2 Timothy 1.12, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul had been through some, some persecution. And he said, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. That's a good testimony. I'm not ashamed. The Bible says we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God. I mean, I'm not ashamed of something that gives me power and gives me victory. I'm not ashamed, even though I've been persecuted, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. That stands out to me. It's been standing before me for weeks. I know him. I don't just know what I believe. I know the one I'm trusting. And uh, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know him. I don't just know principles. I don't just know formulas uh, from the word. I know the one who spoke the words. That's the difference between the Old Testament. One of the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament in the New Testament, we don't just know about God uh, as a distant God. We know Him. We know Him. John, John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. Do you want to know Him? It's not enough to get saved. I mean, that'll, that'll get you to heaven, but don't, don't go through life down here just being saved. Get to know your Father. Amen. He's God. Yes, He's God. We reverence Him as the all, Almighty God, but He is not just God. He is your Father. He cares for you. He takes the role of a Father. He, he cares for you in the place of a Father. Uh, even in the absence of maybe some natural relationship, that you never really felt like you had a father or something like that, God has taken that role. He has taken that responsibility. And all that that means, He has assumed that responsibility in your life. Woo, somebody's looking out for you. And looking out for you ahead of before you even know you have a need. If you were here a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about that. The God who sees ahead and provides. When uh, parents are getting ready to have a baby, they get a baby room ready. They put a crib in there. They get all the baby supplies. And, and but why? Because they are preparing ahead of time for their children, for, for their child. And uh, God's a father, and he has done that for you. He sees everything that you will ever need, and he has made a supply for it. Isn't that a good father? And so we're, we're talking about getting to know Him. Uh, we we want to talk some about, we'll get to it maybe at some point, about knowing Him as Father. Uh, he is God, like we said, but He's also Father. And a lot, of t- a lot of times people, they just maybe know Him through someone else. Someone else knows Him, and so they get to know Him through them. Well, that can, that can happen, but you need to go further than that. Know Him for yourself. Can you know Him? Yes. yes, you can get to know Him. How do you get to know somebody that is not a physical person? Because God said, or actually Jesus said, God is a spirit. So that means He doesn't have, He, he does have a form, the Bible talks about it, but He doesn't have a flesh and bone body like us. Jesus does because He has been here, but uh, took on flesh. But uh, God is a spirit, Jesus said. How do you get to know somebody you can't touch, you can't hear audibly, you know? But uh, uh, that, uh, you know, how do you get to know somebody like that? You have to get to know Him through His book, yes. through what He said. Uh, don't try to seek God apart from His Word. Don't try to know Him apart from His Word. Don't try to just know Him through experiences. You can get to know God through experiences. You, you, God wants you to experience Him. Don't misunderstand me. But if you base it completely on experience and not His Word, experiences can lie to you. There's someone in the earth, his name is Satan, he wants to distort the true knowledge of God, 
and wants to get you to think something is God that is not God and try to get you that, to, to think that something that happened in your life was because God willed that to happen. Something bad, something traumatic, something hurtful, something uh, destructive, something that stole, killed, or destroyed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Satan will try to convince you that God wasn't there, that he wasn't faithful, or he allowed that, or maybe he sent that, or something like that. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning with him. If it wasn't good and it wasn't perfect, it wasn't God. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he also, uh, and, but Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. But not only does the thief want to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants to deceive you and, and distort in your eyes the true knowledge of who God is. He really does. And I'm telling you, this is an area that we as believers have to fight the good fight of faith about. Because the devil will lie to you. Satan will lie. Circumstances will lie. You know, something that, something that happened, uh, a bad experience or something will lie to you, and, and Satan will tell you, see, your father doesn't love you, you're, you're this and that, he's not taking care of you, uh, and it's a lie. So we, we want to get to know God, but you cannot just know him through experiences. Uh, you have to get to know him through his word. Am I making any sense on that? And so uh, I just want you to, uh, maybe we should spend a little more time with that. I believe it would be good to know, to, to spend a little more time on that if you could handle it a little bit more of it. The thing about ex experiences is that anything that happens to you down here in this life, where the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, uh, Satan is the God of this world. You ever read that? 2 Corinthians 4, 4? Satan is the God of this world. You know what that means? A lot of things that happen down here are not God. You can look around and see things that happen. And people say, well, you know, God's got everything under control. He's running everything. You know, if a baby is killed in an accident or something, uh, or if this person was... Uh, this person's house blew over in a tornado. Well, God's running everything. Well, and then they use this word, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That means he's running everything. It's one of the most damnable heresies you've ever heard whenever they teach that because God is sovereign, he's running everything. Now, the word sovereign means most high or chief in authority, and that is true. God is, in that sense, sovereign. But that doesn't mean he's running everything. You understand what I'm talking about? Satan is the God of this world, and he's running some things. Not my life. Not anybody who knows the authority they have to command him to stop in the name of Jesus. But he is doing some things. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Uh, God is not sovereign in the sense that everything that happens is God. When you preach a doctrine like sovereignty, it'd be good if your doctrine, like, like the word the doctrine of sovereignty, if you're going to preach sovereignty, it would be good if you would look up the word sovereignty in the Bible and make sure it's in the Bible before you preach it. All right Come on. Now. Come on All right now. Now. You know the word sovereignty is not in the Bible? Or God is sovereign, that's not in the Bible. That word sovereign is not in the Bible? <laughs> I didn't plan on getting on this, but we're on it. Sovereign, you got, in the sense that the Bible teaches that, yes, God is sovereign. But in the sense that people say he's running everything and everything that happens is him, that is a false lie. And Satan propagates that lie to keep people from knowing the true nature of God. How do you know the true nature of God? You have to look at Him in His Word. Amen. He revealed Himself in His Word. Don't try to love God or know God apart from His Word. Amen. Anyone who loves God loves His Word. Yes. Like if a man falls in love with a woman and he just, he just, he just wants to marry her or something, and he, uh, she sends him a love letter, or nowadays it's email or something, you know, whatever. 
and he just doesn't pay any attention to it, ignores it. And the next time he sees her, she says, did you read my email or text or whatever, my little love, love you card or however they do that nowadays? Did you read that? And he goes, oh, I saw it came, but I just left it lay over there. I mean, I know she's having second thoughts about him right now. Well, this is God's love letter. This is my Bible, by the way. This is God's love letter. And to say you love God and to not read the love letter, that's not true love. So don't try to get to know him apart from his word. Don't ever try to get to know him. Because experiences, don't misunderstand me, you can learn to know God through experiences. But, not, but, but you have to be careful about that because every experience you have is not God. Satan is the God of this world. He'll create certain circumstances and certain experiences to, and, and then he'll t- that are not God. And then he'll tell you, that's God, your father. That, that, see, God's, God doesn't love you. God, this, see what he did for you? He, hurt, he hurts you. He did this or he allowed this to happen. It's awfully quiet in this church. So... Um, Experiences that aren't in line with the Father as revealed in the Word should be rejected and not accepted as from God. Am I making any sense? Um, Experiences in life down here will lie to you. I've had experiences that, that, that were not God, but they tried to keep telling me. They, they tried to keep lingering, and I said, no, I'm not accepting something. How many of you know you shouldn't accept something that comes from the enemy, and you shouldn't reject something that comes from God? But if the devil can lie to you and say something is from God, but it's not, and he, and he can get you to accept it, he's just created a situation to where that thing will never change. Because you don't want to resist God. If it's not God, if it's the enemy, anything that steals, kills, and destroys, if it's the enemy, I know this kind of preaching doesn't happen everywhere in, in town, but we're preaching it here. If it's, if it's from Satan and, and he convinces you that it's from God, then you don't want to resist God, so you want to allow it to happen because God is using it to teach you something. The primary way God teaches you is through His Word. Primary, the Spirit of Faith Family Church is a church that sticks with the Word of God. What did God say? Who is God according to the Word of God? Am I making any sense? And so um, if you accept things, that if you accept, see what the enemy wants to do, he not only wants to create circumstances and then tell you they're God, but he wants to create circumstances, tell you that they are God doing that, wrong circumstances, and then he wants to distort the image of God in your thinking and in your believing. That's what he wants to do. He wants to deceive you about who God is. Getting to know God is not difficult, but there's somebody opposing you in doing it. Satan is opposing you knowing God. He wants to deceive you, and he wants an image on the inside of you of something that he wants to, he wants to create God in his image. What I mean by that is he wants you to think of God in the way he wants you to think of him. Satan wants you to think of him. But your job is to guard your heart, renew your mind, and get to know your Father according to the truth of God's Word. And anything else that is not in line with the Word of God, reject it. I mean like a snake in your house. Get after it. Amen. God, God started revealing himself to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, and he came and walked with them in the cool of the evening, the Bible said, and he was making himself known to them. But Satan came and noticed the first thing he said, has God said? Has God said? He started questioning what God said. Well, Eve actually answered and says, yes, God said. But, but then Satan went and said, well, yeah, maybe that's what he said. But, you know, what he really meant was... And he started going down. He put a, he put a wrong thought in their mind uh, that, that created, that, that put, a, put doubt in them about God, God's motive and his, his, his heart in telling them what he said to do. And he said, he didn't really mean that. He didn't want you to eat of the tree. He just didn't want you because he knew that if you ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'd be like him. And you would know more than you really know now. He's trying to keep you from something by keeping you from eating that tree. And now he put a doubt in their mind. Yeah. 
That's the nature of Satan. He wants to distort the image of God in your thinking and deceive you and get you to turn against God, believing something that is false about God rather than believing the truth. He did it to Adam and Eve. They fell for it, and he's been doing it ever since. And one of the big, one of the big uh, lies, I'm just going to be bold, it's a lie, is this sovereignty doctrine. You say, Pastor, you're really on it. Yeah, because it's one of the most damnable heresies you have ever heard. Now, not that God's not sovereign in the sense the Bible says he's sovereign, but he's not running everything. Let me give you an, an illustration, I think, that'll help you. I didn't plan on going this direction. We're just here, so we're going. But uh, let's take, for example, the, 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 the word sovereign means chief and highest in authority. It's not even in the Bible. I mean, the, the word is not in the Bible. The, the truth that God is the most high God is in the Bible. But um, the, 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 that means the highest in authority. Well, okay. Um, we have in, our, in the United States government here, we're familiar with the United States government, so we'll use our government. We have the highest office in the land. Uh, it's called the presidency, office of the president of the United States, right? That's, that's the highest office in the land. Well, does that mean that any man, I'm not, I'm not talking about political party here, I'm talking about anybody in that office, whatever party, whatever they, whoever they are, man or woman, if they're in that office, does that mean that they can just do anything they want and, and just, just run everything the way they, you know, by a whim? No, no, we, that doesn't mean he can do that. There are, that we have something in the United States called the Constitution of the United States. It's supposed to be followed, <laughs> right? But the point is, there's certain checks and balances, Right? And the fact that God is the most high God doesn't mean he can just do anything he wants. Now, that, that sounds like heresy to a lot of people, but the, the, the Bible actually says that God will not override our free will. He won't make us get saved if we don't want to get saved. He won't make us live right if we don't want to live right. He won't make us obey his word. You know why? Because he said he won't. He gave man free will. And so God is not able to just do everything that he would like to do in your and my life. Now, that, again, sounds like something that's heresy, but go over to, John, go over to uh, Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. People believe things that uh, are religiously taught, uh, and it really messes up their faith. John chapter number, no, I said Mark. Mark, Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6, here's a story where uh, most people don't even believe this is in the Bible, but uh, let's look at something that Jesus did in his own hometown here. He could, if you look here in verse number, uh, uh, let's see, where am I at? Did I say Mark chapter number 6? Yeah, verses 3 and 4. It talks about Jesus in his own hometown, uh, and prophet is not without honor, and so forth and so on. And in his own hometown and his own house, he could, the verse number five, he could there do no mighty work. Jesus. Yeah. Talking about Jesus. Yeah. Well, I thought he could do anything. Well, here it is. Huh? Yeah. He could there do no mighty work. He could in that place. I'm glad the word there is there. Because that doesn't mean he can't do what he wants to in other places. But what he's saying is they determine what he's able to do there. It didn't say he would there do no mighty work. It said he could there do no mighty work. There are things that God wants to do but can't. You say, I thought he can do anything. Well, then why is this verse in here? I feel like, an, I feel like a lawyer this morning pleading my case. <laughs> He could there. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the one who is our Redeemer, come to the earth, and he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Now, notice what he couldn't do, I mean, or why he couldn't do it. He marveled there because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. He cannot do things where people are in unbelief. Isn't that right? Let's go back to the, the truth I was talking about, about the highest office in our land is the presidency of the United States and how that doesn't mean that the president can just do anything. Sometimes they try, and maybe the Supreme Court will strike them down or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, but, uh, 
Let's think about that. You, you said, Pastor, you said that uh, there's something higher than the office of the president, and it's the Constitution. That's exactly right. In God's realm, there's something higher than God. Now, that's going to sound like heresy at first, too, but go to Psalm 138. Go to Psalm 138. Are you still out there this, this morning? Go to Psalm 138. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to have to lay a good foundation. So uh, Psalm 138, uh, I'm going to have to find it myself because I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost this morning. Verse number 2, Psalm, excuse me, uh, Psalm 138, verse number 2. This is what I need you to see this morning. God needs you to see this. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Look at this. For thou, talking about God, God has magnified his word. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What does that mean? God has magnified His Word above His name. In other words, His Word is above Him. His Word. Not your and my Word. His Word. In other words, He is governed by His own Word. If He said something, that governs Him. Are you there? If He said something. And guess what this book is? Now, again, this is my Bible. Guess what this book is? It's everything He said. He cannot violate His own Word. Amen. So it's over him, just like the Constitution is over the office of the President of the United States. God's Word is over him. It's higher than him. He can't just do anything he wants to if he said he wouldn't. Amen. And if he said he would, and you do what he said do, he can't violate that. If he said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you call with a sincere heart in line with the word and, and in line with, with, with what he promised you, he will answer you every time because he's, he's going to honor his word. <laughs> and that's the way you need to, that's the, the, that's the way you, your faith needs to develop to the point that this is God talking to me. This is God talking to me. I just want to hear from God. Open the book. Open the Bible. Open, read, 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 read. There's God talking to you. Let's just, let's just think of a few things because here's another thing. We said you can't know God uh, uh, apart from his word. Second thing you can't do is know God apart from Jesus. The Bible said that Jesus... If Jesus said himself in John chapter number, what is that, 14 or 16? He said, if, I believe it's 14. John 14, he said, remember Philip said, uh, I believe it was Philip, one of, the, one of the disciples said, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. It'll suffice us. Show us the Father. Jesus looked at him and said, have you been so long with me and you don't know the Father? If you've seen me... You've seen yes. the Father. Yes. Verse 9. That's all. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, John 14, verse number 9. If you've seen me. Oh, you. Read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. If you saw him, you see the Father. Okay, Mark chapter number one. Let's just get one little. Let's just get a. Let's barbecue a sacred cow this morning. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mark chapter number, number one, a leper came to Jesus and said, and bowed down to him, worshiping him, say, if you will, if it's your will, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Now, that's a communicable disease. You're not supposed to touch lepers. But out of compassion, he said, out of compassion, see, this is your Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Out of compassion, he put forth his hand and touched him yes. and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy departed from him. 
Well, but that was just that one man. Well, let's just, let's just read the Bible. Let's see what the Bible said. The Bible said God is no respecter of persons. That's right. Come on now. What does that mean? What does that mean? No respecter of persons. That means if he did it for one man, he'll do it for me. What about uh, maybe he's not doing that anymore? Well, the Bible said in, in uh, Hebrews chapter number three. See, if you don't know the Bible, you're at a disadvantage. The devil will lie to you. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He's still, it's still his will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You need to get, we got a scripture CD, a number of them, I believe they're here this morning. One of them is called The Word on Health and Healing. And it just goes through scripture after scripture about divine health and divine healing. And there's a whole section in there of all the times it says that Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. Jesus healed them all. Unless you hear them all together, you don't realize how often the gospels say he healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. Well, was he doing that and God up there in heaven is getting mad because it's not my will to heal them all? No. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1.3. You ought to go. You, you need to look at Hebrews 1.3. You all know I love preaching to you. You all pulling it out of me. Hebrews chapter number 1. Look at verse number 3. Jesus is who's it talking? It's talking about Jesus. It talks about Jesus being the brightness of God's glory. The brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Say that out loud. The brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Philip says, the flawless expression of the nature of God. Flawless. If you saw Jesus, you've seen the Father. What was that whenever, over and over again, if you, if you look through the Gospels, it's over and over and over and over and over and over again, that Jesus moved with compassion, stretched forth his hand, touched somebody, and they were healed. That was God in his compassion towards the sick. Amen? Now, listen, I don't mean to be nasty on anybody, but a lot of folks... If they have a loved one, a relative, or someone who's, who's sick or something, they'll, they'll do anything they can, and rightly so, to help them get well. I mean, take them to the doctor. Get them any medicines they need. And We're not against doctors. We're, we're for people being healthy. <laughs> anyway, I mean, God has a, a way of doing it that's free of charge, by the way. But, <laughs> but, but, but get, you know, get whatever you need. So people will take them to the doctor. But then they'll use this phrase about they don't know whether it's the will of God for them to be, that, that loved one to be well. You know what you just did? You just accused God of not loving them as much as you do because you're putting them in the hospital. You're paying doctor's bills. You're, you're, you're because of your love for them. But you're saying you love them more than God loves them. You don't know, you don't know if it's His will because, see, the devil doesn't really attack God's character or, or let's put it this way, he doesn't attack God's ability to do things. You can walk down the street or go to the restaurant after the service and, and anybody you ask, can God do anything? Yeah, I think God can do anything. The devil doesn't help people to doubt that. But will he do it for you right now? Oh, you know, I've missed it so often. And I'm, you know, that because what, what's, what's, what's the enemy really attacking? What, what area is the enemy really attacking God in? His character. He doesn't want people to know God's character. He doesn't mind if they know His power. But see, real faith begins when you know Him and you know His character and you know His will. Because His will is not connected to His ability. His will is connected to His character. What if you came up to me and said, man, I just, I just am struggling financially and I need to have rent and so forth and so on. And I said, well, uh, I would love to do it. I would be glad to do it, but I just don't have the funds to help you right now. That's not connected to my character. That's connected to my ability, right? And so you might walk away and not think less of me because I would if I could, but I just didn't have the money, right? 
But if you came up to me and said, um, you know, I'm really having struggle financially, and, and I was wanting to know if you could help me, and I said, well, you know, I, I got plenty of money, but I just don't want to. That's connected to my character. Uh huh. Some of you are thinking about it. Where does the devil attack? God's want to. Where does, where does Satan try to distort God's image and who he really is in people's minds? In his want to, his will, his compassion. And, and he wants people to think he won't do it for you and he won't do it for you right now. This is helping us. Praise the Lord. I don't think some of us have thought much about some of these things sometimes. We need to think about them. I said we need to think about them. Anyway, I got that out of my spirit. Let's, let's go on here a little bit. Let's talk about this area of trying to get to know him through experiences. Uh, the, like I said, the problem with learning to know God through experiences is that you'll have experiences down here, here in this life that God doesn't, didn't, he didn't create those circumstances. He didn't make those things happen. He was not behind that. How can you know if God was behind it? Well, Jesus made it very plain. John 10, 10 is one of the simplest yet most confusing. To people, some people in churches, people confused about it. The Bible said in John 10, 10, Jesus actually said, the thief cometh not. That's the Satan. Comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Then he said, I am come that you might have life and have it more what? Abundant life. Abundant life. I am come that you might have life and have more of that abundant life. More of that abundant life. And if you read the Bible closely, next, next day it'll be more than that too. Yes. And then the day after that it'll be even more than that. Yes. And then the day after that it'll be better and more than that. That's yes. right. Of the abundant life. God's a good God. He is a good God. <laughs> yes, he is. Praise the Lord. So if it's an experience that steals, kills, or destroys, you know immediately that wasn't God. You go to the insurance company, they'll say, well, that was an act of God. They blew your house over, your, you know, burnt your house down. No such thing. No such thing. I know this is real foundational, but people get confused about these things. He's trying to, Satan's trying to distort the image of God. Satan is a deceiver. He works overtime to distort the image you carry on the inside of your father. He wants you to carry an image that he's not loving and that he's, not, that he's mad at you you know, did you know that all the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus? There it is. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. The penalty's been paid. Hallelujah. But Satan wants you to walk in a false reality and get you to believe a lie. And therefore not come to him, you know, draw back from him because you don't know God. God might be, God might, you know, be angry and he's going to hit you with a stick when you get there. You know, like the proverbial fly swatter. God's just waiting. No, he's not. He's waiting all right, but not with a stick. He's waiting with compassion. Remember the, remember the story? Remember the story of the prodigal son when he got away from God? And remember the father in the story? And Jesus told the story as if that father is a type of the father God. Is that Matthew, or Luke 18, I believe? Luke 18, I believe. Uh, but he said, whenever the, the son came down the road, he saw somebody coming, couldn't see who it was, and the father ran to meet him. Yeah. Saw it was his son and ran to meet him. That's your father. He's not, he's not, when that prodigal son is coming down the road, he's not saying, that is Billy Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bob, man, he's a scoundrel. Ran off and all the inheritance and squandered it and lost all the money. That scoundrel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him what for. No, that's, not that's not what he did. Come on, somebody. The elder son was that way. Which the church is full of older sons. I didn't say this church, so don't get upset at me. But the church world as a whole full of older sons. Come on, somebody. The older son called him a scoundrel and said, wouldn't even call him his brother. Made up story. If you read the whole thing, the son actually made up stories that he doesn't even know if it's true or not. Accused him of all kinds of stuff he didn't even know if it was true or not. But 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 that's see that's the religious crowd. But the father, who's the type of the father God, he ran, hugged his neck, and kissed him, and put a, you know cleaned him up, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, restored the covenant, killed the fatted calf, and celebrated and said, "My son is home." That's right. Woo! Come on. That's your father. 
That's your father. Praise the Lord. And so uh, don't let these experiences down here in this life, uh, you know, uh, cause uh, distort your image of God. Let me give you an example of some of this. Um, somebody can have a... Uh, one reason people can struggle with knowing their father God is because of experiences they've had with their earthly father. Or let's put it another way, a bad experience. through their, with, They didn't have a good relationship with their earthly father. And so because of those experiences, they have a hard time seeing God as a father. And, but, but see, that's what I mean by you've got to be careful about knowing God through experiences. You understand what I'm talking about? And Satan will tell them then that their heavenly father is the same way as that earthly father. Does that make any sense? And so, you know, that wrong image that they took out of an experience, they took an image on the inside of what their heavenly father is like because of an experience. That wrong experience, excuse me, that wrong image then uh, that wrong image then holds them in bondage. Are you still with me? <clears throat> praise the Lord. We're learning about this. Not, not praise the Lord for these experiences, but we're learning not to do this. And so people, uh, they struggle uh, because of that wrong spirit. And it's really, in one sense of the word, it's not the devil holding them in bondage. It is the image they took of their father from the enemy. So now everything is distorted. Everything about God in their thinking, not God himself, but in their thinking, the image of who God really is is distorted in their thinking and that colors everything in relation to their relationship with God or how they approach God. Let me tell you something. This Word, the Word of God, is more powerful than all those wrong images. And it can wash your thinking, renew your mind, and build the true image of God. Because God's Word has His image in it. Who He really is. It'll build that into your spirit. And don't think, this thing is so powerful, it has distorted my, my relationship to my father because of this bad experience, and so I'm just going to have to live bound with it. No, there's something more powerful than that. It's called the Word of God. And the Word is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to fix all that stuff. In all reality, that's what 2 Corinthians 10 is all about when it says, pulling down strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Yes. Imaginations are things that are imagined that are not reality. And the Word of God is more powerful than all those wrong imaginations, and it can pull them down and change that image. And rather than say, my father's like that, that earthly father that I had a bad experience with and, and cause you to draw back from him, rather than have that, it can make you say, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Yes. Woo, man. And set you free. Come on, that's just good preaching whether you know it or not. I'm giving God the glory, not myself. God's helping us this morning, giving us some answers. And so that wrong image holds people in bondage and it keeps them from receiving from their heavenly father. But um, they're not really in bondage to the devil. They're in bondage to an unrenewed mind. The Bible says in Hebrews, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Many people are trying to get transformation to happen through prayer. Prayer is good. But the main thing you need is a renewing of the mind. Yes, you do. Pull down the old thinking and the old imaginations and, and strongholds. See, these things, people talk about strongholds in the heavenlies. There's a lot. I, I want to say about some things about some of these things. But, but many people's strongholds are between the ears. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Wrong thinking. Yeah. Amen. The way you overcome wrong knowledge is by having right knowledge. You can't, have, uh, you can't overcome wrong knowledge without the right knowledge. And so uh, you, have to, you have to know the truth. Jesus said, John 4, 8, 32, you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know, not the truth on our coffee table, not the truth at all, you know, on our bumper sticker or something like that. 
Yeah. Or truth somebody else knows and preaches on TV. The truth yeah. you know yes. is what's going to make you free. Yes. No hand-me-down revelation here. I want my own. I want to know God myself. All by myself. I'm not saying I don't need the body of Christ. I'm saying I want to know what others know. I want to know him like others know him. You ever been down to the fair and seen all these games and stuff they have and then walk up to one area and there's a mirror there that distorts who you look like? It makes you look like you're three feet wide and four feet tall. You ever seen one of those mirrors down at the fair? Yes, yes, sir. The Bible calls the Word of God the mirror yes. that we're to look into to know God, know who we are in Christ, and so forth and so on. And I think you have to be careful listening to some people talk because they have one of those mirrors that are distorted that makes you look different or God look different than who He really is or who you really are. They'll, they'll say things that distort the image of God. That's what that mirror is doing. It's distorting the image. Yep, 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 yep. Right? Yep. You'll never go to the fair and see one of those and forget about this. <laughs> but that image, it's like, it's like uh, looking at God through a distortion. And that's why you've got to be careful about trying to know Him through experiences because experience will, will distort who He really is. Don't bring... The, the Word of God down to meet your experience. Bring your experience up to the Word of God. Yes. Change your experience. Yes. Amen. Amen. You can do it. You can do it. You might say, I've lived my whole long life, however long that is, and I've never had, I see something in the Bible, but I've never experienced that in the, I've never experienced what I've seen in the Bible. I've never seen that in my life. Don't think it can't be true just because you haven't experienced it. There was a day I lived as a Christian without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. I was told in my denomination it wasn't, it wasn't available today or it wasn't God. They didn't really know much about it, so they didn't say a whole lot about it. But they, they, when they did talk about it, they said it wasn't God. It wasn't for today. It wasn't for, you know, uh, so forth and so on. But whenever I, somebody took me, some, some uh, friends in high school took me to the Bible and showed me the Word of God, and showed me that it's for today. Peter was preaching, this is for today. And for as many, as many as are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call, all that are saved, all that are born again, that's another traditional religious teaching. See, religious teachings will distort the image of yes, God. Yeah. Yes, religious will. teachings are that distorted mirror down at the fair. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Aren't you religious, Pastor? I mean, you're a preacher. No, I'm not religious. I'm just truth. I'm a truth man. I'm just yeah. sticking with the truth. Religion, when I say the word religion, I'm talking about man-made ideas. So, uh, but, but uh, the, uh, the, the thing about it is we've got to uh, not let those things distort. Who the, in other words, resist what the lies of the enemy. I gave you earlier today, I gave you the scriptures. I didn't give you the scripture, but I gave you the truth. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12. You might want to write that reference down. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life and hold a good confession. Fighting the good fight of faith. A big part of fighting the good fight of faith is holding fast to the truth of God's Word when the enemy is lying to you saying it's not so. You say, no, it's so. No, it's true. No, the Word of God. I'm sticking with the Word of God. And the devil say, well, you've never experienced that. And you say, shut up. I'm about to. <laughs> Amen. Changing my experience. Don't let these experiences bind you for the rest of your life. Find a place where you can renew your mind to the Word of God and be diligent about it. Can I wrap this up by talking about that part? Um, Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Um, praise the Lord. Can you just handle just a little bit more here? I'm almost done. Lack of knowledge. Notice the devil's not mentioned in that verse. My people are destroyed because the devil's a big meanie and he's around stealing, killing, and destroying. He didn't say that. He said lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. You would be, and I wanted to get into this today, and I haven't, but we'll, we'll get there eventually maybe. Uh, you would be surprised at how much the Bible emphasizes knowing God 
getting the knowledge, actually the true knowledge of God, because Satan will distort the knowledge of God. Uh, Jesus said that uh, when religious, he's talking to the Pharisees, he said, when you get a hold of the when you get a hold of people, you make them twofold more the child of hell. Jesus said that about the most religious people of his day. Did you know that? You ever read that? <laughs> the most religious people of his day. You make them twofold more the child of hell. What does that mean? Religion is twice as bad as just living out there in the world in sin. Because wow. that's what they were, religious. They, they, they spoke all the time about God, but God showed up in the flesh and they crucified him. They didn't know God. They had a religion. They didn't really recognize him when he showed up in the flesh. They crucified him when he showed up in the flesh. So that tells me you can even quote scriptures and not know God. See, you need not just to have knowledge in your brain. You have to have revelation in your heart. That's what we mean when we're talking about knowing God. You have had a revelation from the Word in line with the Word of God. Not a revelation outside of the Word, but in line with the Word of God. And so he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, uh, since the devil's not mentioned there, what do we learn here? That the way the devil works is through ignorance. You might want to look at this verse. I believe it would be good for you to turn to it. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. When you come to Spirit of Faith, bring your Bibles because we like to look in our Bibles. And I I especially like you to uh, find it in your Bible. And uh, that way, when you, you know, if you get familiar with your Bible, look it up. Maybe if you have an iPad or something, a Bible on your iPad, use that little highlighter tool or something, yeah. you know. Because uh, if you look it up and you use your highlighter or whatever, then you can go back to it and remember, ah, I, saw, I, I remember this. Yeah. Yes. But we're looking at 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 11. <clears throat> you know, one thing I've learned about religion, if you study the religions of the world, they'll try to keep you from actually, I'm talking about, in the realm of Christianity, they'll try to keep you from really reading your Bible. They'll say, well, don't really read your Bible. Just listen to us. Oh, no. Come on. No, no. no. I'm, I'm going to tell you, look at your Bible. Yes. <laughs> look at your Bible. And I'm going to tell you, if it's not in line with what, if, if what I'm preaching is not in line with the Word, then you throw it out. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Because there's somebody higher in authority here this morning than me. That's right. So we're looking at 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 11. 2 Corinthians 2, 11. I'm going to have to quit because you're all pulling so much, I'm, I'm wanting to go on, but I'm going to have to quit. I just have this one thought I want to get out. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get the advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Listen to that. Satan gets the advantage, notice, even in believers' lives. He's not talking here about the world. In believers' lives, he gets the advantage, How? Through ignorance. Now, that's, that's a word people use as a slam on others sometimes. But in the Bible sense of ignorance, it just means without knowledge. They don't know. So Satan gets the advantage in Christians' lives. Even if he's talking here about, he said himself, it gets the, lest Satan should get the advantage of us. Paul's saying he could get the advantage of me if I walked in spiritual ignorance. Or in other words, if I didn't know God and his word. So, lest Satan should get the advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. One of the reasons that ignorance gives Satan the advantage in Christians' lives is because faith is based on knowledge. First Timothy 1.13, Paul said uh, he used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but he obtained mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. That's one kind of unbelief. Some people just don't believe right because they they haven't gotten the knowledge of God, right? And you can understand that. Uh, but then there's a, there's a different kind of unbelief also where they, they know, but they just don't, don't, they don't, they don't want to receive it. But there is this, this uh, ignorance or this unbelief that comes as a result of ignorance. Well, if that's the case, and if faith is the victory that overcomes the world, like the Bible says, if you can't please God without faith, like the Bible says, these are all verses, I'm quoting yeah. verses, you know. Yeah. And if that's all the truth, then it would be to our advantage yes. to know the truth. Yes. When Jesus was tempted in Luke two, or excuse me, Luke four, he kept answering Satan with, "It is written. It is written." He knew the word. Yes. He knew the word. So when Satan came and brought lies, the word that was in him rose up and answered that, and Jesus went, "Uh huh," and he gave what the word said. 
and that put the enemy on the run. But let's finish this up. Let's finish this up. You glad you came this morning? We're getting to know our Father. Um, Philippians 3, my, my, my. Philippians 3, let's read verses 8 and 10. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up. I know we're, 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 we've been going a long time here, but I'm too excited to stop right now, all right? Philippians 3, Philippians 3, verses 8 and 10. Now, I'm going to read it for time's sake because I don't have enough time to read both. I'm going to read it just in the Amplified Classic. If you have the Amplified Classic on your phone or something there, maybe you can look at it. Philippians 3, 8 and 10 in the Amplified Classic. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege. Privilege. And and, uh, overwhelming preciousness. The surpassing worth and supreme advantage. That's a lot of words. But he's talking about a great, great privilege of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Notice, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. How many of you know when we get, we get saved, we, if, if we got saved at church, maybe we didn't, but if we got saved at church, we came up and, and uh, received Christ, said the sinner's prayer, received Jesus into our heart. And basically, that was becoming a part of the family. And Jesus said, welcome to the, fa- uh, uh, welcome to the family. Right? But that doesn't mean you know Him. I mean, you're born again in that sense you know Him. But, but that doesn't mean you know His character. You know what He likes, what He doesn't like. Do you know the more time I spend with my wife, the more I get to know her? She still surprises me every now and then. <laughs> but I know her pretty well. So a lot of times I can tell you, if somebody asks her a question, I can tell you how she'll answer because I've been around her for a number of years, since 1988. Well, really, we got married in 88, but for couple years before that. And so I know her. I know how she's going to answer. I know how she thinks. I know her ways. I know she likes to stay up late and get up. I mean, get up late. <laughs> That's not a slam because I, you know, she, she gets the right amount of hours and works the right amount of hours. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I know her because, you know, I spend a lot of time with her. I listen to her talk. We fellowship, commune with one another. And I know her. I know a lot of things she likes, a lot of things she doesn't like, you know, right? Well, you can get to know God. Yes. You can know His ways, know His character. Know his, you, there, there'll be things. I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I'm going to pray and ask God about this. And my thinking is, I can save you a lot of time. Because I've been getting to know Him now for 35 years, and uh, I know He's not going to go for that. Because it's not in line with His word, not in line with His character. <laughs> yeah. But they got to get to know him too, you know. But listen, listen, I'm going to finish this up. Philippians, are you, are you still there? Yes, sir. The priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of it knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately equated with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding how him more fully and clearly. Wow. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Now, if you look at the context, that I may know him, that I may know Christ. And verse 10, my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly that I may in the same way come to know the powerful outflowing of his resurrection, which, is, which it exerts over believers, the power of God. I want to know the power of God. And that I may, also, uh, that I may so share his suffering and uh, be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even unto his death. In other words, death of my own desires and so forth. Okay, so much there. But the thing I want you to see, it was so valuable to him to know God that he said, I lost everything so I could know God. Now, what does that mean? Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was of a tribe that everybody liked the most. Uh, He was, in the Jewish religion, he was the creme de la crabe. Or however you say that, he's the top. He's the he's 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 it. He's what everybody thinks you ought to be. 
Isn't that right? Yes. And so he arrived there, but whenever he had the, whenever Jesus revealed himself on the road to Damascus, he, he, he turned and he wanted to know this Jesus. Isn't that right? And it cost him everything. All the Jews turned against him. The Jews tried for the rest of his life tried to kill him. I mean, the people that he used to be, he used to be it in everybody's eyes. Now they think he's, he's, he's gone crazy. Am I making any sense? All the status he had in the Jewish religion, everything that was important in his society and in his world and in his religion were of no value in the eyes of God. They were fleshly things. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And he said, the, the, the opportunity of getting to know him is so valuable to me, and it has such advantage to me. You notice how he said that? Yeah. Yeah. That I don't care if I lose everything that makes me somebody in the yeah. Jewish religion. Yeah. I want to know him. I want to know him. There's a lot of people that don't pay much attention to Pastor Jay Eberly. I'm talking about in this society. They don't value what I value. They don't love the one I love. Right? And so they don't really care about what I say. But that's all right with me. I want to know him. I want to know him. Because of the advantage. Remember 2 Corinthians said... Satan gets the advantage over us through ignorance. Guess what? I get the advantage over whenever I have knowledge. I get the advantage over yes. Satan. That's right. Amen. And I'm not destroyed That's for a lack of knowledge. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to God. Did you get anything out of the Word this morning? We're not talking about knowing principles, knowing formulas, knowing, you know, religious creeds or something like that. We're talking about knowing a person. God, of course, and Jesus, of course. And the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you, the Holy Spirit will guide you right into all truth. Yes. He'll teach you. He'll tell you about God. He'll teach you about God. There's times that people will say things about God that the Holy Spirit down in here will say, something isn't right about that. You might not even know what isn't right about it, but you'll just know sometimes. Write this verse down. I got so much inside, but just, just write this one down. And before I see you next time, meditate on it. 1 John 2, 27. 1 John 2, 27. The anointing in you teaches you. He'll teach you to know God. He'll teach you the character of God. And there'll be times people will say something about God that the anointing in you will go, mm-mm, mm-mm, not true, not true. It might even be a guy with a robe behind a podium saying it. Or a preacher on TV saying it. Or somebody in church like me saying it. But inside, the Holy Ghost will teach you. What does that mean? He'll go, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I said, the Holy Ghost will teach you. Hallelujah. Thank God for the teacher. Stand up with me. You've, uh, you've uh, let me preach long today. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. You can, be, you can know God intimately. I encourage you to develop a prayer life. Develop word time. What I mean by word time? I'm talking about time in the presence of God, feasting and feeding on His Word. It'll, it'll renew your mind. It'll give you the knowledge of God. It'll enable you to, well, it'll keep you from swallowing things that your Father didn't send into your life. You know what I'm talking about? It'll give you the advantage. You can know God in, in some areas and not know Him in other areas. You can know Him as, as Savior and not know Him as provider financially. You can know Him as provider and not know Him as healer. Jesus the healer. You can know Him in, in one way and not know Him another way. I want to know all of His goodness. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for the privilege of meditating in it and feeding on it. Father, we're grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to reveal the Father to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and revealing the Father to us. Hallelujah. We, we hunger to know you even better. We seek to know you through your word and through your son, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. 
We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Is there someone here? It could be in Cedar Rapids because I know how the Holy Ghost works. Your ears, now somebody say, what is this? This is a word of knowledge by the Holy Ghost about somebody suffering in their ears that God wants to heal. Your ears are partly, well, it seems like one more than the other. And I'm getting further revelation now. Partly closed. They're not completely open. Is that person here or are they in Cedar Rapids this morning? Who is that? Partly your ears. Hallelujah. Is that you, sister? Yeah, yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't sense they were completely closed, but they were partly something, something the hearing's not completely there. Would it be all right if I minister to you? Yeah, okay, come on up. Hallelujah. Why would God point somebody out like that or call somebody out like that? Because he wants to show them how good he is. He wants to show them how good he is. Reach your hand towards her, if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come up, honey, and, and minister with me. If we come in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your healing power this morning that breaks the yoke of, of infirmity. Father, as we lay our hands on our sister, we release the power of God to go into her ears and open them so they'll become normal. Her hearing will be full and not just partial. In the name of Jesus, we release your power. Satan, take your hands off of her hearing. We command her ears to open. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it, Father. We give you praise. Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We believe that recovery's begun right now. In Jesus' name. Oh, there goes the anointing. My, my, my. There goes the power of God. Right into you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I lay hands on you, Brian, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those, 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 Mashiach, the power of God it opens the ears. I command it to go into his body. And the ears to open and be healed and normal to be fully, fully open. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for it, Father. Let's just lift our hands and thank God for that. Thank God for His power working this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we magnify you, and we lift up your wonderful name. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we magnify you, and we lift up. you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the people. We thank you for answering needs this morning. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. 
If you have some sort of need in your life and you would like us to pray with you, you can come forward this morning. Let's just uh, open up the altar if you want somebody to pray with you. You're welcome to come forward and uh, let us know what it is. We'll agree with you. Praise God. Let's sing it as they come. Anyone that wants to come. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we magnify you. And we lift up your wonderful Can we pray with you, sister? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long has it been going on? Wow, yeah. Where's your, where's your is this, uh, you're going to, Make this your church, or you have another church, or yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, yeah, praise God. Well, so let me just agree with you because if she laid hands on you yesterday, I believe that anointing went into you. But I want to agree with you. Praise God. Reach out your hand toward her, Father. We lay hands on our sister. We thank you for your power and your anointing that began as my wife laid hands on our sister last, uh, last Sunday. We agree with that. We are, we are ministering and, and agreeing with that, Father. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, I thank you that it's healing her lungs in the power and anointing of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All that damage, all that damage that that disease caused, we, we speak to that and command that to be gone. All that scar tissue, all that's hindering her lungs, I command those cells to begin to inflate that have been deflated. In the name of Jesus Christ, we agree with her. We agree with what my wife prayed last Sunday. And we are standing in faith. We thank you, Father, for the anointing that raises the dead and quickens the bodies of the sick that is working in her now. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for it, Father. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we magnify you and we lift up your wonderful think of it, sister. Just say, power of God went into my lungs. I believe it's in me now, working a healing and a cure. Amen. Can you do that? Yeah. Just agreeing with the Word of God. Because the Bible said, believers will lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Pastor my, my, Debbie and I, God gave us both a healing anointing. And I believe that power went into you. In fact, not only do I believe it, I know it. That's in there. So, just keep your faith active by saying, yes, it's working in me. It's working in me. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you came to church this morning? I am so glad I came this morning. I got, how many of you know the preacher gets help too? <laughs> yes, he does. Praise the Lord.